welcome to episode two of Hope from Out of Heaven. I'm Brandon. I'm Coyle. I'm Ryan. Elliot is here. How's everyone doing? Yeah, good, good. You know, back to it. What's everyone uh what's everyone kind of playing at the moment, uh like game wise? So I picked up Dying Light 2 the weekend. Um oh, yeah. after waiting for a review code for nearly two weeks. The game hype's actually picked back up now, which is grand. Um we're pumping out content quite regularly. Everyone's back on the site writing, so you know, anyone listening to this is interested in that sort of thing. That's uh, www.gamehype.co.uk. Me, Caleb, and Ryan uh, all write for that. I've been trying to persuade Brand to do it for a while, but he's been very hesitant. Um, maybe, yeah. so. maybe. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, Dying Light 2. So far, so good. It's it's basically a giant open sandbox with free-running kind of parkour elements with, uh, you know, bashing zombies' brains, and you can't really complain, you know? All I've heard about that is that it's a buggy mess, but... I keep seeing it on Twitter, but everyone I speak to playing it goes, I'm having a great time. <laughs> like, there's just this weird disconnect between people I know have actually played it and Twitter's opinion. <laughs> I think it's, a, um, it, it's, it's almost like another Cyberpunk 2077 where, not <laughs> as bad, but what's happened is it's like the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X versions are playing fluid as fuck, then no problems whatsoever. But then when you've got the kind of last-gen versions, that's where most of the problems are. You know? Oh, okay, so, but um, I've been playing in performance mode, and I'll be honest, I've had no problems whatsoever. Buttery smooth, 60 frames a second. It's, you know? uh, like that, I think it matters more when it's sort of everything's smooth and fluid. Uh, said you the other day, like I'm playing Uncharted for, well, I haven't played it a few days now, in a 4K mode. It just get, makes it more cinematic. When I switched back to 60 frames, it was like, ah, oh, this feels weird. But then when I was playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey a few weeks ago, that in 60 frames and Origins, which is 30 frames, it was like, oh no, this, uh, I don't like yeah. this in 30 frames. I got used to it, but yeah. It's really sluggish, isn't it? Like, so I was reading something there about parkour games in general when, you know, just playing them in games, or just playing like any kind of like first person kind of like free running sort of game in 30 frames, yeah. it just feels really like the only and other game I can think of in recent years that was like that was Mirror's Edge. I was just thinking that. Yeah, like people saying on the PC version, you know, playing up to like 120. It was on PC, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it's mistaken. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't an exclusive. Really, like, I never really, I never really um had much affinity to to Dying Light. To be honest, I played a bit of Dead. I played a bit of Dead Island, but I feel like the the the, the zombie game that I loved, like from the from the kind of previous generations, was Left 4 Dead. That was probably yeah. my That was probably my yeah, favorite. Yeah, I was going to say game like that to be honest uh but I've, i'm still playing uh i'm still playing the witch free um i've just completed like some of the bloody baron missions in velen um the storyline of the game that is man <laughs> the writing for that is just so fucking on on point it's just it's crazy you know i finished the final book the other day so now i'm ready to go into witcher one but i'm sort of dreading it at the same time because it's the witcher one it's like 2007 2006 was it Combat is bad. That's what I will say. That hasn't held up very well, but the story, it's worth playing for the story alone. Yeah, I think just setting me up for Witcher 2 and then Witcher 2 obviously goes not totally into Witcher 3, but all the little references and hints and... uh, That's it, that's it. The games are very reminiscent of the first books, to be fair. You know, like the collection of short stories and that. Yeah. In that they are, they all kind of take place within the same universe and there are references between them, but... 
for large and part, the stories are very much contained. Like, each game has its own individual story, and it's not really referenced. It is a bit, but not majorly in the next game. But the events of The Witcher 2, you don't hear about them at all in The Witcher 3. There's Unless a bit at the beginning like, where yeah, you're kind yeah. of questioned. Like, like my but friend like, got um, this assassin chunky guy to, like, show up at the end, which didn't happen in my game because he was able to transfer not transfer oh yeah transfer. Le- letho of gullet yeah 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 that's name yeah that, was that is literally the only thing that really has an impact in number two i'll get there i'll get there eventually it's just again i'll, I'll get to witcher one i might do it next week and just blast it out and I'll get what about you what, what about and what about you ryan what, what you've, been, you've been playing anything recently mate uh i have thrown myself into the rabbit hole that is final fantasy 14 uh, oh god why <laughs> I picked up myself. I picked up myself a MacBook and was like, "The only game I care about this in playing because I only bought the Mac for like game hype stuff and podcast stuff." I was like, "Well, if it plays one game, I'll be happy." And that game is Final Fantasy fourteen and it runs it buttery smooth, high performance mode on sixty FPS. So I'm great, but I've forgotten how absorbing MMOs can be. Where you just kind of sit down and go, "I'll just do an hour." And four and a half hours later, you're like, "Oh wait, that's my afternoon gone." Yeah, but I'm enjoying it so far. I was always interested in, like, not interested, but always had this inkling to, like, should I try World of Warcraft? And my friend was like, look, if you do, just ready yourself that this might take over your life. And, like, you will literally be like, oh, as you just said, oh, just a few hours. And then it's like, you know, Sunrise, which is my life at the moment anyway. Yeah, um, I was going to say. But, you're you're yeah. like a vampire at the minute. Yeah, you're like oh, fucking... right, I need to sort it out. I, I, played I, Rune, I played a bit of RuneScape when I was a kid. Um, oh, never... yeah. RuneScape Classic. Yeah, yeah. I never really got hooked into like any MMOs though. Like I always loved the idea of like getting like absorbed into an MMO, like but it was never really so, I never really used yeah. to play MMOs growing Both up. The best. No, we didn't, no. Um I think the first real MMO I started playing was um do you remember that dodgy oh what was the sci fi channel? I can't remember Defiance. who was in it now. Defiance, that was it. Fucking hell, yeah. Was, oh, oh yeah. They had like a t- they had like a like a, a, a series alongside the game, didn't they? Yeah, and then like every time the TV episode aired, it kind of like bled into the 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 MMO, which for all intents and purposes was fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm PlayStation yeah, Three. Yeah. Oh, it was just gameplay wise, it wasn't great. Like you'd get to one of the weird what's it called, like Razor Arcs. Force or something, where it would yeah. where, whatever it was. And then you'd have like 20 players in a tiny area and he would just stutter like mad. But the On the whole... PlayStation 3 especially, yeah, it was just, you know, stutter city, man, it was crazy. Well, it looked like <laughs> a whole mixed media thing of, you know, watching the episode of the TV show, go on the game, play a quest, character from the episode appears. I thought that was really, really cool. And so yeah. like, I think if they tried something like that now with a higher budget, it would be absolutely phenomenal, but uh, it was a bit ahead of its time, idea-wise, mm. because it didn't catch up. Yeah, I think they'd need to do it really with like an established franchise. I think the problem with Divines was it's a great concept, but you're doing it with a TV show that no one has... Well, people might start to care about it after it's been on for a while, but do you know what I mean? Like having that kind yeah. of groundwork, you'd, you'd need something like The Walking Dead or Sons of Anarchy or, you know, think of another show that loads of people like. Have that oh, right. and then kind of have, have an already established TV show. Rather it's, than doing the game it, and then that at the same time, you know? It's an interesting at least that's tangent. my way of looking at it. It's an interesting tangent, isn't it? Because I think yeah. it's kind of almost going the opposite direction now. Like you're seeing a lot more um you're seeing a lot more like big companies like Amazon wanting to adapt to video games or HBO like the Last of Us TV series. Um I've seen some rumors that Amazon are looking to finalise a like a Mass Effect TV series. Oh, I yeah. saw I saw that one. I can see that, yeah. Which which 
on the one hand, scares me, like, because I just don't know how they would adapt, like, Commander Shepard's story from, like, the Mass Effect universe. But if it was separate and its own thing within the universe, then I think it could be quite good. Yeah. Um, I... But it... But it's hard, isn't it? Like, well, it, it well, is. time, time, will, time will be the judge with those things, particularly with the Last of Us TV show. Like, I'm hyped for that, but will it will it recapture the magic of the TV? Will it re, will he recapture the magic of the of the games or game? Will it just be some generic zombie apocalypse? Yeah, thing? yeah. But they they're, they're also doing that with a uh, Alien as well. There's an Alien TV series they're working on, and all they've really shown is. Like a backdrop of Earth with like an alien auromorph, you know, like the eggs. It's so it's got it's yeah. it's a bit problematic in the idea, like, and they've already come out and said that you know the Alien TV series is going to be focusing more on like you know almost like Blade Runner. It's going to focus on synthetics more than the aliens themselves. So it's like considering Ridley Scott so openly opposed to the idea of the TV show, it seems to be following his metric quite closely. You know. Less about the alien, more about, you know, artificial intelligence and its kind of way of looking at it. But, yeah, it's a, we're, we're in for interesting times when it comes to the, you know, this sort of stuff because video games seem to be the new comic books now. I think comic books have kind of not come to the end of their point where they're making films about them, but, like... Marvel's raking in the money. <laughs> well, that's what I mean, yeah. But, like, you know, it looks like they're kind of trying to... They're trying to branch into video games with it now, isn't they? Yeah. So. Like, well, I think superhero movie. movies are part of life now. Like you're just used to every like quarter getting a new one. So it's not that it's quite exciting, yeah. but you just kind of you've had a decade of MCU now. So you're like, okay, whatever. Let's do more. We'll go watch it. And it's just like anything else dropping or the new season of the TV show. You just expect it to be there. Whereas when you start mining video game, it's new IP to most people. And like Caleb just touched on the Halo TV series is going to drop soon, and it looks awful. If I'm being honest, I mean I am the Halo fanboy of the group, I guess. Um, <laughs> But yeah. it's set in like an alternate <laughs> universe. Um, and there was a, a female character who was commanding some of the uh, hunter worms. And I was like, what is this? Like, I don't see the point. If it's in a different universe, what's the point? I just, I, I'm not excited for that at all. They're making, a, they're making a movie of Ghost of Tsushima as well. See what I mean? It's, it's well, crazy. They're it's into like... a movie, like, which is mad. The game's not even been out that long and they're already adapting it into a movie. Well, it, it it was kind of already kind of influenced by Japanese cinema anyway. Mm. Um, oh, I forget his name. Uh, there's like a samurai film director. Like oh, Kamasaga, is it? Kamasaga. That was the one, yeah, because there was a specific like filter, and you could have it like playing in actual Japanese and stuff like that. For yeah, um, it was, you can, it was like it was like Kamikaze mode or something, and it was like yeah, black yeah, white, yeah. Like but, noir um, style, like the old um, like the old samurai, the movies old samurai from, movies from the fifties and sixties, yeah, but um. On that that note, director that Ryan mentioned, that was the kind of inspiration for the game, from what I understand, alongside yeah. the history of what actually happened. Well, I don't think it's um, it's 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 historically accurate in the sense that the Mongols did invade uh, yeah. the Isle of Tsushima, yeah. um, but like not in the sense of you know the the actual storyline itself. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, so uh, what's been happening in kind of like the world of video games at the minute? We've had a lot of acquisitions quite recently, to be fair. When we actually dumped the last episode, the day it went live, I think was pretty sure the day that they announced the Activision bio. So we couldn't have timed that any better, if I'm being honest, you know? Yeah, they knew what we were doing. <laughs> well, that's it. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know. It just seems to be the norm now, doesn't it? Because like, we've had the recent news about um, 3.7 billion that Sony has basically just paid for Destiny 2. How much was Activision? 70 well, it billion? Well, it, well, it, was, it, was the studio, it was the studio, wasn't it? It wasn't just 
Destiny. They've bought. They've no, bought... That's the joke, isn't it? Like, what 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 games yeah. have Bungie had in recent years other than Destiny? They haven't. That's True. that's the you know. I mean, when I, I was at work when both announcements dropped, uh, Microsoft bought Activision. All of uh, like, oh my god, this is huge, massive gaming. <laughs> And we were talking about the complications and like, would, would COD be exclusive? And, you know, discussed in the fallout, actually. And then compare that to when Sony bought Bungie. They went, Ryan, Sony bought Bungie. And I went, remember when Bungie mattered? <laughs> it was just, <laughs> just like an afterthought. I just didn't, and yeah. I'm, I'm a hell of a fanboy, so I've got a lot of love for Bungie historically. But, for the, you know, since Destiny, it's like, no one cares. Like, I just don't, Bungie aren't who they used to be. Um, See, and it's, and it's interesting as well, because, like, the you know, there was lots of controversy with the exclusivity deals that were that, that, that Bungie were making on on Destiny and like how they were not having full autonomy as a, as a gaming studio over their licenses and they'd move they kind of think they were distancing distancing themselves from that kind of like you know that kind of third party type stereotype or archetype whereas they've kind of just slipped back into it now I guess even though you read the you read the spiel from the from the sale and it's Oh yeah, Bungie will remain, you know, a cross-platform studio with, you know, it's not going to be full exclusivity for games, and it's like they said the same for the Bethesda Microsoft merger. And if you ask me, Bethesda obviously are going to make games like The Elder Scrolls and Fallout exclusives. It just mm-hmm. it's a, it's a no-brainer. Like if well, they're on Bungie and they're they're kind of they don't want to be like have corporate overlords, I guess. The reason Bungie initially broke away from Microsoft because they were tired of making it and they didn't want to make any more sci-fi space shooters. So they left, started developing Bungie, a sci-fi space shooter, then ended up in Bedrock Division, which they left because of corporate overlords trying to rule their games. And now they're in bed with Sony. And it's kind of like, I don't understand what happens internally to Bungie where they're like, we want to do something new. We'll do the same thing again somewhere else. And they just seem to hop from publisher to publisher. And they're not really producing much worth playing to be entirely honest because they made a gigantic thing about or you know separating from activision because i was i was was still really into destiny at that point in time but you know they were like oh we're free from activision now you know we've got the full creative license for destiny 2 and we're going to take it in a great direction and they did they have they have kind of pulled destiny back in a way you know it's still very much the same archaic formula you know you either love it or you hate it you know but the the last the last game that 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 Bungie made that I loved was Halo Reach. After mm. that, I was not really been interested in Bungie. I think was hyped for that game. Well, yeah. that, that's kind of a you know a good segue into like the topic at hand, you know. So uh, Bungie are a definite kind of maybe not the you know the, the the best example of it, but you know like um, a lot of people used to love Bungie for Halo specifically. And Halo sold the Xbox. If Halo did not, oh yeah. The Xbox, it would not say would have failed, but it would have not been successful as it was. It's so synonymous like, with Xbox now, isn't it? Like, yeah, like, like Command, like Master Chief and, and Cortana, and the whole universe is just like synonymous with Xbox. Like, yeah, like Halo, Halo 2 oh. is arguably the reason online console gaming is in the state it is yeah. today. Like, there were I'd people talking about that a decade after. Yeah, stuff on Lampire. I remember going but, to my friend's house and he was like on voice chat with his friend playing Halo, and I was like, what? Like, you're just on voice chat with them, yeah. And I was like, oh man, phone phone company's gonna go bankrupt. If you can buy like a monthly subscription, why are people gonna use the phone anymore? But um <laughs> it was just and then like I remember he was on a, just a party chat with him and then just changed the channel for the TV and was just chatting with his friend while he's watching TV. And I was like, Oh, this is crazy, like what the hell? And Xbox Live would have still been a thing, but without Halo, it probably wouldn't have been as a, much of a thing. Well it was no. it was it was second to it was second to Call of Duty. 
it like, at one point, wasn't it? Like with Halo Three, like that that I used to play that as much as as people I knew used to play games like Call of Duty, World at War, Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare. Yeah, that was as I think popular. Earlier on, I think earlier yeah. on Halo probably had the upper hand, and then but like, Modern Warfare One was the one that really sort of like yeah it changed bam. it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's one of those games that I never really got around to playing either. We had 360 as well. I probably could have played them. It's just, I don't know, got... just never really struck a chord with me, to be fair. Like, you know, and I only, it's I strange. Only into, I only got into Halo with Halo 3 because Michael, our cousin, got, a, got an Xbox 360 and one of the games he got when it launched was Halo 3. And I just remember playing it and loving it and then getting it when we got an Xbox and then jumping on jumping on forge mode and just playing random random games that we'd just make up with people like you know you, there was one where you had this like you'd made a racetrack there was one person in the middle with a sniper rifle and you were just on the quad bikes and you had to try and make it around the track without getting shot <laughs> like you could just make up games it was great like you had a sandbox and you could just do what you wanted basically i oh, know the, the the game that sold the 360 for me was oblivion like that game like to the point where if i'm struggling to sleep some nights i will actually listen to like Oblivion soundtrack, like the, the ambient track. music when you're like track. running through a meadow, uh-huh. you know what I mean? Just to fall asleep. Oh, I listen to it when I'm like when I'm not on calls at work. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There's just something about that game, and it's just I don't know. Skyrim oh, yeah, is great and everything, but like they haven't matched Oblivion since, you know. See, but then but I think Bethesda, like as good as as good as good as those original games were, I think they got away with a lot. Like we're we're talking about gaming studios that fall, have fallen from grace. I think Bethesda are a perfect example of a studio that have like you know like the whole like you can't polish a turd like game engine, oh, literally like, literally you know they've been using the same game engine since morrowind and yeah that, you know like look at look at look at the the, the recent cock-ups with things like fall i know fallout 76 isn't a bad game now but on launch it was awful the the, the launch of elder scrolls online awful the way they're trying to monetize mods awful the constant re-release of skyrim and like skyrim's not a bad game it's just how many They're fucking releases has that game had now? Including the Alexa version, by the way, which is amazing. To be fair, I know, I know, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like the anniversary edition that they've like that they that they I think dropped last November. Some of the um some of the content like for the Creation Club that they've dropped with days, it's pretty cool. Um, I watched uh, I, I subscribed to this YouTuber called ESO, and he did like some walkthroughs of like two of the like, kind of DLCs. I say DLCs like Creation Club content that they released on on the Bethesda net thing. And uh, you know what? They, they were only, they're not like voice acted, but they were, they weren't too bad. Like one of them was about oblivion and you got to go back to the plane of oblivion, which was a bit nostalgic. Um, well, there's a lot of Morrowind stuff in there as well. Yeah. Which yeah. I thought was pretty cool. You know, like the Morrowind is my favorite Elder Scrolls game. Still is. Uh, I've not yeah. played it. I went back and played it years ago. I'd never actually played it prior to that, but yeah, it was, um... it feels janky after you played oblivion and Skyrim. Because it was a proper role-playing game in a sense that you had a role, so you've got all your skills in Oblivion and Skyrim, and you can level, you can max out every skill if you spend enough time doing it. Whereas on Morrowind, you had to pick major skills, and they were the only skills you could max out. So when you go and join a guild, say you want to join the Mages Guild, your progression in that guild was tied to how much work you'd done for them, but what your skills were as well. So for instance. If you were joining the Fears Guild and your pickpocketing wasn't high enough, you couldn't progress. So if pickpocketing wasn't your major skill, you weren't getting any higher in the the Fears Guild or whatever based on your skills. So you'd have to be, you have to spec as a mage to be a mage. You had to spec as a fighter to be a fighter. You couldn't be a mm-hmm. jack of all trades. And no, I really liked that. 
because it meant if you want to replay the game, you would make a new character, spec it in a different way to get the rest of that content. Whereas on Oblivion and Elder Scrolls, it's basically just, right, just play the game a lot, you'll max out all your specs, and the same person can be head of the Peace Guild, head of the Dark Brotherhood, head of the Mage Guild. Yeah. It's like, to me, that was boring. I don't, I don't I think want every... to play I think Employee every, of the year, basically. I think, I think <laughs> yeah. every I think every Elder Scrolls and and Fallout game subsequent to Morrowind is just you can you can see each version of the game has just been streamlined, streamlined, streamlined. Yeah, you know you it's... still got major you still got major and minor skills in Oblivion, but like if you compare that to Skyrim, which is much more streamlined, and then you compare Skyrim to Fallout Four, the four, the, the, the the leveling system in Fallout Four, I was just like, what is this? You can break Oblivion annoyed. though. Like I, don't, I can't remember what guild. I swear it was the mages guild, but you could you could break oblivion. The point where you're able to like create your own spells, like and like determine like where they damage and whatnot. You could just like level up the destruction tree in like minutes. I remember just I think I developed a, like a, like create a spell where it was like you did like so much fire damage on yourself and you just kept casting it and casting it and then waited an hour and then kept casting it again and before you know it you were like a master wizard. It's comical. <laughs> I think it was every subsequent release, as it just said, it's just like it, it's like yeah, Oblivion was buggy, but at the time it was like you know PC. That was I think it was, I remember seeing Xbox 360, and it's like what the hell. And then like every subsequent one, like none of them are particularly bad. Arguably 76 on release, although it has improved. It's just they're becoming more and more like oh okay cool. Just well, this is the point I was making. I think the last time we were talking about this, I think now that Microsoft own. And they are the publisher of them. They're, I'm hoping that they're going to hold them to a much higher standard. Because the problem with Bethesda is, is I think they've... It's the same with anything. It's the same with Sony, the point I was making in the last episode. Sony got a big head of themselves because of the PS4 sales and the exclusives and how bad Microsoft fucked up with the unveiling of the Xbox One. That, in turn, turned Sony into a bit of a... I don't know, like not, not like the enemy of the gaming industry, but it did give them a bit of a big head. To the point now, it's it's a real interesting debate, isn't it? Because on the one hand, you're right, you know, you think like Bethesda being a studio that's notorious and and kind of infamous at this point for like notoriously buggy games at launch, like to the point of like meme, like, you know, the amount of memes I've seen of dragons flying in and out of sinking things or like someone getting hit with a big like giant hammer and going flying off the screen. Randy no. Savage. Randy no. Savage is a dragon. It's the best <laughs> they're, they're, they're fucking thing on the planet. Yeah, they're just kind of they've got that they've got that kind of like unfortunate reputation now of being a triple A game studio that doesn't kind of do their due diligence when it comes to like refining out the game before they launch it. But on the one hand you could say, yeah, it's great that like Microsoft are gonna hold them to a higher standard, but then I guess, you know, with the with the other acquisitions of things like Activision, Bungie, it's just like Big, the big, the big two companies like Sony and Microsoft are just trying to monopolize the gaming market, which is great in one sense. But it, then I guess it also means that you you do run the risk of everything becoming a bit creatively stagnant because there's no yeah, independent independent, ind- independent developers out there of the same elk or de- standard as big big monopolies like Microsoft or Sony. Well, a lot of people did say. Uh, well, I think not even just a lot of people. I think most people would see Microsoft, Activision. A direct response to that was Sony buying Bungie, but apparently that Bungie deal was six, seven months in the pipeline before they even announced what was happening with Activision. If you look at it from that standpoint, they can't have known that they were going to buy out Activision and do that as a response, you know? You don't just suddenly buy a billion-dollar company in, like, you know, two weeks, do you? This time takes time. 
it's pretty weak. Like, <laughs> like even That's even it. if Microsoft had just bought the IP of Call of Duty, that's basically a knockout punch, essentially. If that if card goes exclusive, people aren't buying a PlayStation. Like, that's, the majority, this is, yeah, definitely. Majority of PlayStation owners I know play FIFA, COD, and FIFA and GTA. That's their like their free games, and not not to sound gatekeepy, but I wouldn't call them hardcore gamers. They enjoy gaming and I love what they do, but their free releases they guaranteed to buy every year are those free titles. If you take that's one it. of those away and make it Xbox and PC only, they've got no reason to buy PS because or even a PS5 if they haven't one yet. It's the case. Of, why would I? That was one third of my gaming collection have vanished. I do think we're fine. Tell that to Bungie. Who cares? Like, okay, I can't play Destiny on my Xbox. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like cool. See you later. We do find ourselves like in a weird, on a weird precipice. Like companies like Bethesda, um, like say Bioware as an example as well. You know, I think they had really good, obviously, reputation with the games like the original Dragon Age, like the like the Mass Effect trilogy, and then obviously the ending to Mass Effect was a bit of a. I think I think we can all say it wasn't great. Um, Use your color. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, yeah. like Shakespearean magic levels is the the, oh. the the downfall of Bioware. I mean, going back to when I was a kid, like what early two thousands, playing Knights of the Old Republic. Um, even before that, the Baldur's Gate games I released on PC and never went a Knights. But we had Old Republic came out, then Jade Empire came out, which was like a Chinese mm. kung fu open world RPG. Imagine Old Republic but in kung fu. So we played Star Wars with kung fu, and that's basically what the game was. And every <laughs> release was just solid. Mass Effect 1 came out and was like, I played it to death like, so many times, hundreds of hours into that game. The writing at the end of Mass Effect 3 absolutely ruined Bioware to the point where I can't see me buying a Bioware game ever again because it, it's part salt and part just so much of my life went into playing the Mass Effect trilogy and their previous games that once EA bought them, it just kind of seemed to go downhill. Like pretty much too fast. So EA buy Bioware and then it just downhill. Uh, from that point on, to the point where people on the Mass Effect forums and Bioware forums would spell Reapers, the enemies from Mass Effect, and they capitalised the EA of Reapers <laughs> because it just became synonymous with them killing studios. I mean, EA have bought so many studios, destroyed them, stripped them, ripped them apart, and just chucked IPs around to disastrous effects like That's Dead Space much. being another franchise. Like, like the Command and Conquer series and Red Alerts, like absolute classics, they own it. And then after, I think, Zero Hour? No, to be in 3 and 4, I think, were the last games. Um, and just, yeah, they've done nothing with them since. No, they announced this, like, crappy mobile phone game based on, like, Command & Conquer, like, two or three years ago. But it's, like, like the Red Alert series, I, I prefer Command & Conquer anyway. But, like, those are brilliant games, and you've done nothing with them. But if they just released, like, Red Alert 4, and I guess they've done the remastered collections, which, yeah, is nice, but... It's such a great IP and you're doing nothing with it. And that's a I'm lot sorry. of I mean, Rareware is one I go to. Rareware got bought up by Microsoft in the early 2000s. Conquer, Banjo, and there's a bunch of other characters. Banjo-Kazooie, man, I fucking love yeah. that game. <laughs> They've just done nothing with it. I mean, Banjo and Smash was, was great. And I think for a lot of people, it was like, oh, damn, like, you know, it, it's, it's my boy. But yeah, Nintendo man. are doing that at the moment though with Zelda, aren't they? Aren't they like remaking like, all the old classic games, but like putting absolutely zero effort into them? Uh, Nintendo. I've never seen that I could rag on, but like I like Nintendo. Like I like Nintendo a lot. Like I had N sixty four. Ocarina of Time is one of the most influential games of all time. Majora's Mask is better. Um, I'm not a huge Mario fan. Mario Odyssey was great though, and so was sixty four. But yeah, like they released a three D All Stars, and it was basically just like a port of 
Mario Galaxy, Sumo 64, and Sumo Sunshine, but with like zero improvements. I think Sumo 64 still runs in 4.3. It's not in widescreen. There's no control or real updates, so you can modify controls. Uh, some of the control apps are really weird. Like, unlike Mario Galaxy, you've got like in the original one with the Wii mode, you'd point at the screen to like catch these things. I never play Mario Galaxy, but um, but in the Switch version, you have to like tilt the fucking switch to like get it to click. You got the switch has a touch screen, so you think, oh, okay, I can just tap the screen where to get them. No, you got to tilt it, and you can't change that. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. Nintendo are a company that get, I think, recently people are calling out more, which is good because they're not a very nice company. Um, yeah, I've heard they've got. They've got like a real issue with like old ports of games, haven't they? Like they're, they're yeah. really against like people backing them up, like you know, using ROMs and stuff like that. But yeah, like, equally they don't put these games on the stores for people to buy, so you're kind of forcing people property. to either pirate them or you know, it's a bit... just the complete thing, right? So they get annoyed about. I understand it's their IP and their property and that sort of stuff. Like, yeah, of course, your content, but it's like I want to play a bunch of GameCube games. There's GameCube's got like absolutely like. This guy called King K did a video saying that um, Super Mario Sunshine on a Dolphin emulator has a bunch of mods, like HD mods with different support for it, and runs a hell of a lot better than the Nintendo version. But Nintendo were like, no, don't use that version, which is clearly superior. Use our version. Or, in a lot of cases, um, like Chibi Robo is like a classic GameCube game. That costs like 200 quid from CX. It's pretty rare. Um, <laughs> so, okay, how else can I play it? Well, you can't. You can either pirate it or pay 200 quid from pre-owned and Nintendo's not even getting the money. So why, like, again, it's your property, but if you released it for like 20 quid on the Switch store, which, you know, people would buy it. And it would also drive down the resale value. I think it would also stop pirating other games even more. And they would make loads of money from it. So it's just baffling to why they're not doing anything about it. Um, well, I remember years ago with an interview with Iwata, and he was asked about like the prevalent of remasters and like, reinvents and old games. And he was basically saying that as a like, kind of as a culture, Japan has a very future forward, go forward mentality, not look back at the past. You achieve what you achieve, let you build on the future. So they, as a nation, I guess they're not too into remasters. But at the same time, if that's the case, just flat out don't do it. Don't do a lazy ass attempt of reporting mm. the Mario games where they're borderline unplayable on your Switch. It was weird. Yeah. Like if you're going to have a principle, stand by it. And even if I'm frustrated by that decision, I could at least respect the fact that you're not going to read wow. your old stuff. But to do a lazy port just looks like a horrible cash grab. And it, it well, just, that's, it just that's, the, that's the the catch-22, I think, with remasters and... Re that's why I prefer... Not to go back to discussing Resident Evil, but I think that's just a really good <laughs> example of a game. Of a game like Resi Two Remake is a really good example of a game that's racing. Like, yeah, that's been that's been like remade like from the ground up, but retains like that sense of like nostalgia from the original. But like you're right, so many so many games get ported and just like a HD remaster of this game or that game. Like I remember thinking, even with even though I replayed the Mass Effect trilogy um, remaster and really enjoyed it. I was I was expecting a lot more from the first one. I thought they would like really I thought they'd put a lot more time and effort into modernizing the first one and all that really felt different about it was they added the same like icon you had in the middle with your with your with your teammates and you could command them the same as in the second and third. The rest of the game like the Mako, I used to hate the Mako, like oh. the storyline running around like copy and pasted planets like on the with the Mako it was just 
the worst thing ever. Um, the only way to describe that Mako is a fucking drunken elephant on roller skates. That is like the perfect yeah. description of it. It's just and fucking... It, uh, and it is literally like a cash grab. It's a game you played, you paid for back a day, and you're now having to pay like treat like retail retail price. Like I think Mass Effect Remaster was like sixty, seventy quid. Um, it I was it was fifty, weren't it? Because I remember we went halves on it. Like me personally, I don't have a problem with that. I, th- I feel like you're getting three feature length games that have all been. Yeah, I think. I think do you know I'm what I mean? Using... That's. I get it. I'm just using it. I guess I'm just using it as an example to say like it's it is nothing more really than a bit of a cash grab in it. I guess. Of course, really? of course. Good, good you know, good they, they showed a lot of love for the first game, I feel like. They, they didn't do a massive amount of stuff with it. It was mainly just cleaning up textures and improving the gameplay, but it definitely played better, I felt. You know what I mean? Like, you know, when you pull out a sniper rifle and you had a reticle in size of well, the that, screen. I think Shit like that was gone, you know? Like, I, I did like that. I think that's what's interesting. That I think for me that kind of is like a, maybe a next debate point is companies like Bioware and maybe even Bethesda to some degree now that they're under Microsoft have, have, have almost gone and got this opportunity to maybe shift the, 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 the reputation that they've built up over the last few years and actually do something fan related. Cause I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not really excited for like the new mass effect, but I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued enough because obviously it's linking back to the original trilogy. I mean, I'm, but it's, it's it's bad in a way that they have to do that. Do you not think? Like they, like they said that number three was the end of the Shepard trilogy. Do you know what ah. I mean? And while there were problems with that ending, it did end the franchise, didn't it? The Reapers were gone. There was no more threat anymore. You can't really take it in a new direction. Anything else that comes after that is going to feel like it's not going to feel as galactic as the Mass Effect trilogy did. Do you know what I mean? Like the Reapers were a threat to the entire oh. galaxy, whereas anything that's kind of going to follow on from that. It might feel you run the risk of it feeling a bit shoehorned in. Do you know not what to, I mean? Not not to dwell on Mass Effect too much, but one of the things I was reading about is that the the teaser trailer they dro- that dropped for it actually starts off in the Andromeda Galaxy. So actually, and and Liara in the trailer looks older than than she does say in, in Mass Effect Three. <laughs> so the theory is potentially that destroys the kind of ending, and Andromeda happened, and it's set around or about six to seven hundred years after. The events of Mass Effect 3. Well, that'll bum so many people out, though, won't it? Can you imagine, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get another game with all of our favourite characters, and you find out it's like, great, the only one who's there is the one that can live for a thousand years. It's like, fuck me, man, like, you know. I'll tell, yeah, you, what, I'd, I'll tell you what I would love more than anything. A standalone game set in the Shepard kind of trilogy timeline of Garrus. Like, a standalone game where you play as Garrus, I'd look. Maybe that's just me fanboying, but I would fucking love the shit out of that, man. I'd play that. Garrus in between one and two. Uh, when, you know, he gets you know what I mean, like, but his mercenary battle. I mean, it does sound like DLC territory, to be honest. You know, I'm not sure you can make a full game hey, out of I, it. But... I'd love, I'd love, like, I'd love, like, a, a brand new start. Like, I think, I think the, the benefit that that would bring, right, is, like, you would, you would, you could, you could, you could kind of do, you could try and think of ways to bring characters back, like, through wacky sci-fi means. Or, you know, I've read theories about how there could be a Shepard clone and this and that. And I'm just like, well, why don't you just, like, start afresh? Because one of the things I was wanting to and was envious of and loved in the, in the online for Mass Effect 3, to be fair, was just being able to play as other races. I always remember thinking, yeah. I love to be a Krogan, like a big badass Krogan with like biotics and a shotgun, like and just murk everyone up. Um, well, that's the thing, you know, like, like if they ever did the Dragon Age route, because Dragon Age did that really well. You know, the like Dragon Age Inquisition was a brilliant game. Second game wasn't the best, but it was still good enough to, in, you know, kind of get invested into. But, um, if they did that with Mass Effect, that'd be brilliant. You know what I mean? Like almost like a 
have a story. Like, like what you were saying, being able to play as other races. Do you know what I mean? Have a story, but don't make it central to the. What? Well, as a as as, <clears throat> as as someone Ryan that you say like you wouldn't ever play another Bioware game. What would what would what would what would Mass Effect Four, if we're going to call it Mass Effect Four, have to have for you to to actually like be like right? I'm gonna I'm gonna jump back in. I think I'd have need a reboot or a prequel. Uh, the end of Mass Effect Three had so many canonical mistakes in it that made didn't make any sense. Like for instance, the Mass Effect relays get destroyed. In the first game, it explained that you can't fix the Mass Effect relays. No one knows how they work or where they came from. But those weird keepers, like green alien creatures, they look after the sitters out and repair all the technology. It's why no one messes with them, and it's a crime to mess with them. And then they yeah. the directors quit ending and were like, it's okay, we'll rebuild them. And it's like, no, we already know you don't know how to rebuild them because you told us 700 hours a game play ago. Lance Henriksen told us that we could rebuild them, and Lance Henriksen no. was bishop, we have so we should follow every word he says. <laughs> And it's just I'm I'm so like annoyed by then like then they destroyed the mass relays and you've got these giant are uh, like Dalek disbanding Armada in one system that isn't I mean I'm getting top of sci-fi nerd here but like they they won't be able to travel fast enough to leave the galaxy so you've got this entire army now that's stuck in this planet resources are getting too short there's going to be conflict it would have to break it into all like wars it makes any sense as now this giant intergalactic Armada has to fight over resources in one galaxy it's just lame so I'd either want an entire reboot where we just pretend the old Mass Effects didn't exist. Have to get over my butt hurt and try playing again, or give me a prequel set during the Quarian yeah. Death War, and then I'll play that because it's far enough in the future, in the past rather, we don't have to worry about what happens afterwards, mm. and it's a big enough conflict for you to be like, oh, we can easily insert teams of specters and stuff, and you can essentially have your wish of, oh, we're going to send some specters in to see what's going on. Do you want to be Krogan? Do you want to be this? Do you want to be that? But it's a big enough conflict to set a game around. I don't have to sit there and go, oh, you know what? In about four or five years, yeah. they break your uh, mass break relays, and I can be less salty about it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go um something Carl said earlier about like um obviously sort of companies. I didn't say milking the sort of re-releasing remasters and just you know, being on dead horses. We are not dead horses, cash cows. Um, Rockstar because uh fucking GTA, GTA Four, yeah, <laughs> that, that was crazy. Two thousand and thirteen, and like you know, it's I mental. I can remember going to Blockbusters to pick up GTA Five. That's how old that fucking game is. I like it's game, mental. We were going on about how much we missed Blockbuster way back when, and that actually was like at the cusp of us losing Blockbuster. Netflix and all these In other the things that are like such time. a big thing now. They were only getting started when GTA Five came out. How is that game still <laughs> being sold? It's like, <laughs> like I'm gonna get the. Special edition with the cap and the baggie and stuff like that. And I was walking back to the car and Mary had like midnight with Ricky. And I was like, I'm going to get robbed. I'm going to get robbed. Someone's going to rob me. But like, yeah, That's I played the thing, it a fair bit. Like, I don't play it as much as I used to, to be fair. But the, what, next gen version comes out in just under a month. We still don't know if it's going to be a free upgrade for digital owners or a, it's going to charge. But it's like the game's eight year, eight, how long are we on? It's 2013, like it come out. Yeah, so September like September 2013. I was going to say yeah, September 13. Don't quote me on that. Yes, because obviously it came out uh, autumn, wasn't it? It was like October, I think. Um, That's it, you know. Yeah, but, um... It's it's like so long, and we don't. Know it's going to charge for it. And like, if they are going to charge for it, it's sort of an insult in a way. I know the online demi free appear. I think they release a standalone online mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's going to be free to PS players for three months. Then PS5 and Xbox, I think. I think Xbox are getting oh, free yeah, as well. Yeah, just for next gen people, I reckon. 
and then, then they'll and then they'll charge like what 50 60 70 quid for a brand new version of gta 5 on the fucking ps5 it's ridiculous yeah and it's just like guys like at this point the game should just be free to play like they're making enough money from shark cards and the game is it's like yeah they're adding content to it, i know but that content isn't really like you know very substantial that's like oh we need to you know charge an entire new block for this and then you compare that to obviously what they're not doing for Red Dead. And understand Red Dead is a way less popular game. I think it's like 300,000 players daily for GTA. It's like 20,000 to Red Dead. I get it. But the people, if, if they were these paid DLC of that game, even like multiplayer, people would probably get it still. I don't think it's like it's saved the game and they're not going to do a big boost into it. But much like Bethesda's Skyrim, it's Rockstar's GTA. It's just like, hey, this works. We'll just keep throwing this well, out. Rockstar are in dangerous water at the minute now, aren't they? They reckon GTA 6 is in development of hell. Yeah, I think ever since the point we had like the houses and Leslie Benzies kind of leave Rockstar, it's a big shift because they've been around since like the GTA 3 days. Probably before that. I don't know the company um, that well, history-wise, anyway. In general, oh. is you buy an IP and you buy a company, you don't buy the staff. So <laughs> when you look at a lot of this stuff, it's you tend to have the studio heads and people who were there from the beginning who built this ethos in this company. Uh, they tend to leave when they get their big paycheck. And yeah. then it's like, you're just left with this shell that doesn't have the same ethos or people in it. And the vision disappears, going back to Bungie and Halo as a franchise. So there was a kind of clear vision pretty much all the way through Halo from like one, two, three, and ODST. Reach, they tried something a bit different with. And to me, that was the start of the end for Halo, I guess, the downfall. But then as soon as 343 yeah. and took over, Nearly everyone universally disliked Halo 4, but it had some interesting themes. Halo 5 is pretty much universally despised. Infinite is better, but has so many technical issues in the multiplayer. It's embarrassing. And it's just like, oh, yeah, so you, you may still be giving me games for free, but you are not, you're not the guys that made the franchise I love, and I think that's the same for nearly every single acquisition like industry-wide. If you don't yeah. get the people, you're not really getting what the gamers want. Well, it's like Telltale Games, isn't it? That's a perfect example. I remember like playing um, games like The Walking Dead Season 1, like Lee Everett and Clementine, and absolutely loving it. And then The Dark Horse of um, The Wolf Among Us. Even the, Game of, even the Game of Thrones Telltale game was just... They did, they, they did something different for me. Like, it obviously wasn't anything especially in terms of graphics or, or gameplay, but the, the, the way they told a story and the consequences and the actions, yeah, they, they, some of them were immaterial, but... It was it, it still gave you a sense of control over the character, um, and then what? Like they went they went into liquidation. All the staff went. Um, the Scott was it Skybound had to finish the last series of The Walking Dead and like yeah. Clementine's story, and now it exists as a brand and an IP. But whatever whatever Telltale Games was when they were making Walking Dead season one is not the Telltale of twenty twenty two. But like oh, yeah. you said, they've recently been rebought out by who was it, Caleb LV Entertainment, LZ Entertainment. Like, but yeah, kind of on this topic of like you know developers that have kind of they were once great in their day and have now gone, you know, by the wayside with either shitty business practices or just you know getting a bit complacent and getting a bit of a big head on themselves. You do, you are, you do get some companies that are capable of redeeming themselves yet again. Not to go back again, yet again, to Resident Evil, but Capcom's a perfect example oh, of that. Well, it is it, like they, they they really have pulled back in recent years. You know, you had you had the original three games on PlayStation, which are kind of revered by everyone. You know, then you had Code Veronica, which, which was great again, and then you had Resident Evil Four, which a lot of people kind of hold as one of the best in the game and like the kind of franchise. 
while I'm kind of a bit more jaded on that, I do prefer the original three just because they, well, especially think, think, you, you'd agree with me on that brand. They definitely hold a big place in you know, kind of our childhood, don't they? The first I three think, games. I think Resident Evil Four was one of those. I think it's one of those games that was it was great in terms of a Resident Evil game because I think for me it had a good balance of like mm-hmm. action and the cheesiness of Resident Evil, but also the horror. Um, That's it. But obviously, yeah, you're right. It is quite stark, starkly different to the, the, the original three. But I think the influence of Resident Evil 4 is far wider reaching than just Resident Evil. I think as a, is, as a yeah. third-person shooter, it was very... Like, you think games like Gears of War, like any other kind of first, like third-person like shooters have all kind of taken influence, I would say, from Resident Evil 4. Well, the original creator for Resident Evil, uh, Shinji Mikami, uh, Takaro Fujiwara as well, can't forget him, um, he actually made the Evil Within, that kind of franchise, and that was very reminiscent of Resident Evil 4 as well. I know, I know Shinji Mikami was a big point in Resident Evil 4 as well. I'm pretty sure he directed it, but or was at least producer. Yeah, they, they, most, they most definitely dipped, didn't they, with games like Resident Evil? They after, did. After Resident Evil 4, it went, I mean, Chris, Chris punching, punching boulders, Chris, Chris Redfield is just. Chris fuck boulders, Redfield, yeah. Like, you know, that. <laughs> and then Resident Evil 6 was just like an absolute shambles of quick time events. This is what I mean. You know, like they, they got complacent after Resident Evil 4, after Resident Evil 4 sold. I don't want to say sold the GameCube, but it was definitely one of its big in. Because they kind of went back on that. You'd probably know quite a bit it about this game, but didn't they have a. Um... It was a special deal with Capcom where they were going to release like three exclusive games. I think one was 13, I think. Maybe we got yeah. this wrong. Um, then they just kind of went back on it, didn't they? They just yeah, said, like, yeah, it fuck it, like, you know, they uh, released it for the PS2. Yeah, and it was like meant to be exclusives for them. It was that, but I think Oni as well. I could be wrong on that. Um, mm. Was it 13? No, that was Ubisoft. I'll come with the other game, but yeah, and then I think within six months, it was like just, nah, screw it, like just peer. And now Resident Evil 4 is like on literally every console ever made. Well, yeah, that's always, kind of like Capcom's to, um, Skyrim in a way, isn't it? Like they've re-released them before so many times. And then even Capcom for me, you know, like they, they might have they might have like built up built back up good graces with games like Resi 7, Resident Evil 2 Remake, Village. Like they're still they're still the I think that's the problem with game studios now. Like obviously the the bottom line for them is profit, right? And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily quality of game. Like look at Resident Evil 3 remake. That was like a and yeah, maybe it that was still from, good. It, it was, was good. good. It, yeah, but maybe it suffered from maybe it suffered from like the fan base being a bit overhyped based on the first one. But I mean, why not? Why not put the same level level of love into the game rather than outsourcing it to like a third party like studio? Well, the one thing I will say is is it appears that they've learned their lesson. So I, I remember I mentioned it earlier um, in the Discord chat. Like you mentioned before, Residents of Evil, the channel, they've just done a video on Resident Evil Four. And the remake that we're getting for it, which apparently was originally going to be done by the same development team that made the Resident Evil 3 remake. But then after they kind of saw the poor reaction to it, it's now been pulled back in-house. It's the same team that made the Resident Evil 2 remake. But interestingly, on top of that, they're also... I don't know if you've ever seen the footage of it, but look this up after the podcast, but Resident Evil 3.5... It's oh, Resident yeah, Evil. Been... It's Resident Evil Four. Are all there? Leon, the jacket, everything. But it's more a fixed camera angle affair, and it's more grounded in horror. And from what I've been reading, that's what they're going to be doing with the remake. They're going to be doing like, kind of like what they did with the Resident Evil Two remake. You know, to they took the original onto, uh... concept of the game, but then they took elements of Resident Evil One Point Five. You know, with Elsa Walker and stuff like that. 
Yeah. They're going to be doing that with number four. I'm not sure if the leaks have come from Dusk Golem, um, but he's like a very prominent like uh, leaker for like Resident Evil. Like pretty much all the major leaks from Resident Evil come from him. Again, take all that with a pinch of salt until it's confirmed. But Lots if it is going in a more horror direction rather than the kind of action focus that Resident <coughs> Evil 4 had, I'm all for that. I think totally. I don't know, but checking this, like I was going to mention that um, Capcom in the early 2000s, they actually did two Zelda games, uh, the Oracle of Age and Oracle of Seasons, which I absolutely love for the Game Boy. Uh, turns out that um, the same company did Resident Evil Zero, Survivor, Dead Aim, uh, Resident Evil 2, and also Minish Cap for the Game Boy Advance for Zelda. It's not like Zelda and Resident Evil. Same, I mean, great games as Zelda ones are, and those Resident Evil ones pretty... Obviously, the solid ones. They also did drafts Resident Evil 4, but unused. Yeah, I was going to mention, actually, Sega. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, they um, started to suck. When I say suck, it's not their fault. They obviously started to fail a bit in the early 2000s. And obviously, their big boy Sonic. I think you mentioned in early ones, so like companies where their heads sort of leave, and then well, after their paycheck, and then I got a bunch of staff to make these games. And this guy called them, um, some call me Johnny, who did a video on Sonic Forces. Where mm-hmm. he just said that Sonic Forces is like, you know, a fine game. It does the job, but overall it's just it exists and that's it. And Sonic obviously hasn't been very good recently. It's not been terrible. I mean Sonic Boom was. Um and he sort of did like an off segue bit at the end where like in scripts so it's talking about really at this time they need to get like the people who played Sonic Adventure when it came out in the Dreamcast, and while the game was aged pretty badly. At the time, it, people loved it, and it was like, you know, this is like a 3D Sonic game. Mm-hmm. Those people now are like, you know, they're older, they're game developers. Like, why not hire some of those staff who love those games now to make another shot at not necessarily like a Sonic Adventure 3, but just something, man. Just something that isn't just another very generic, like, ooh, run down the corridor sort of thing. And I know that's a lot of Sonic games in general, but there's got to be something more. There's got to be something yeah. more. Than just... And I think that's I think that's one of the biggest challenges with like you know I know I know we're gonna look around sort of like monopolizing of the studios is that games follow follow games will become very formulaic and they're for shareholders. Like, they're not for yeah. design merit. That's what I mean. Yeah, and, they and, do and suffer a lot of corporate pressure and and creatively stagnant a little bit as well. You know, like the creative direction. Just to just to reference back to Mass Effect for one last for one last like I think I think example is like. Bio, I think Bioware's original um, sort of end game for Mass Effect was something to do with dark energy that was referenced in Mass Effect 2 um, and Collapsing Suns. And that just kind of got retconned in the third and it was all about, all oh, the war between the AIs and people and the chaos it creates and the only solution is to harvest life and turn everyone into Daleks. Yeah, I think a good point of that, though, that was more to do with the fact that they kind of got rid of the lead writer, uh, Drew Carpishin, and they replaced him with that hack, Matt Walters, didn't they? I think it's also that it's probably also the it's the it's the deadlines and the pressure that like big big companies like EA put on mm-hmm. smaller developers to just like get the game out so they can get the cut so they can get the profit. But no, I think Caleb kind of hit the nail on the head there before. It is kind of a lot of it comes from shareholder pressure. Do you know what I mean? Like. If you look at CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk and the whole fiasco for them at the minute, prior to that, when The Witcher 3 came out, I mean, when Witcher 1 came out, they were a relatively unheard of studio. The Witcher was nowhere near as popular as it is now. I think the TV show The Witcher 3 have kind of elevated it to almost Game of Thrones level of, like, popularity. But It's definitely getting there. It's getting there, but, like, then Witcher 2 came out, and because it came on Xbox, yeah, it was getting a bit more of a following. 
maybe a few people had picked up, you know, I think they had like one or two books that had been translated into English at that point, but still relatively a, you know, borderline unheard of franchise. But as soon as they brought Witcher 3 out, they couldn't do anything wrong. They could set fire to a church like a black metal band from the 90s and still fucking like being like. That was, do you know that what I mean? Was, uh, like it's... That was the game that like catapult, catapulted them into the mainstream, wasn't it? And then... well, that's what I mean, yeah. But then like, it just shows you how quickly you can kind of fall off that pedestal. I think which I think the problem series looked bad. Like Skyrim was like, I mean, yeah, Skyrim was an older game, but then even had Fallout 4, the same sort of engine, and which had been released around the same time. It was like looking back over the fancy game. It was like, oh, like they haven't been trying. Like everything in which I feel was just so polished and so well made. That's what like, I mean. Yeah, I mean, when you, you did have bugs when it first came out, it wasn't oh, yeah, like, perfect, but it was oh, definitely more polished than Cyberpunk is now. I, you know, yeah. Yeah. And Cyberpunk being one of those games that I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really that hyped for it. Really, I, oh, I, didn't no, know I was much, absolutely. <laughs> I didn't know much about the law, but then I saw Kyle showed me some of the some of the some of the game footage, and I looked at like some of the things you you know you could like choose your backstory, and it had me in mind of like the original Mass Effect where you could choose your socket, socket mm. like, profile, your like your background, and I was like, oh, this has potential to be really good. And you know what? From what I played of it, the game itself and the story and the mechanics are really good, but. Honestly, playing playing like like Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven on my PS four was like playing a, like a, a PlayStation three game. It, it was that bad in terms. Like of like playing Crisis three on a baked potato, weren't it? Yeah, like, <laughs> an analogy. You know, it's like it was terrible. I mean, it's crazy. Me, the thing with CG Project Red, yes, we had a disastrous launch. Fair enough, but it was the fact that they pushed distributors to not give people refunds. So you would, I remember we bought the game and my friend was trying to get his refund and he was flat out told by Xbox support, we can't refund you this game. We've been told not to issue refunds for this game by the, the, the publishers. They were basically just told, no, you're not having a refund. Even though they released it, and knew it wasn't working. For the development cycle, they only showed the next-gen LPC version of the game running and deliberately all of the last-gen console stuff. At mm-hmm. the point when, when you'd request review codes, you would oh, only PC. have review codes for the next-gen or PC. They, they, it's not so much that the game launched poorly to me that soured me on CG Project Red. It's the insidious deception that they did the entire development cycle of Cyberpunk that Definitely. I think is terrible. And I don't know who at the studio or publisher who whose fault that is, but that's way worse than any other publisher that's fallen from grace to me because they deliberately misled the fans yeah, yeah, who absolutely. had supported them so well through The Witcher 3 and everything, all its DLCs was... and editions. Well, that's and it. I mean, look how much trouble we had getting a review code for Game Hype. It literally mm-hmm. was PC only. That was the only one that they were do- letting reviews come out for, you know? I swear they knew a... they knew it was in such a state, you know? And like you said, it's not a mix of just, you know, the company themselves. Yes, there is the aspect of shareholder pressure. I could literally count on both hands and both feet no, the amount of times that they fucking, you know, delayed that game. And... That yellow screen of death. Do you know, you know what I mean? That off piss yellow in the fucking text. I swear, that, I, swear I remember out, reading. Like... I remember reading there was whistleblowers as well that came out and said like the amazing like demo they did at E3 um, a couple of years before its launch. I think it might be maybe like 2018 or 2019 was was actually like a, it wasn't even part of the core build of the game. They actually built <laughs> it outside of the game like oh, a demo. To, to, you know what I mean? So they, so they weren't even showing off the polished game. You know, like the game itself. Is just... Oh god, another another painful memory that comes to mind after you describing that. I was just getting flashbacks then. Fucking aliens, colonial marines. Mother <laughs> of god, what happened with that game? Man, it was fucking. They they, they couldn't do anything wrong with the E3 demo. Atmospheric lighting, you know, all everything was there. It was aliens through and through. And then the fucking game come out, and like, literally, you've just got like 
dickheads glued to the wall, like, will you let me down, please? Like, it's just like putting them down in a fucking... It's just, oh, misleading. just misleading people with, you know, scripted scenes and being like, wow, let's go to this part of the game. Oh, this looks totally amazing. And then it's just like all scripted and set up. Apparently, um, the Halo 2, I mean, the demo they put on was so advanced back for the Xbox um, that if, and this isn't, this is not like a head to misleading, this is a, this is a mild sign up. It was so advanced for the Xbox, if you walk to the wrong area, the game would just crash because, like, they yep. just throw it into an early Halo 2 game. But, There's yeah, a great like, documentary on YouTube about the E3 demo that Bungie built. Um, oh, we can, we can do this. And then when they actually got to try and build the entire game on the hardware, they were like, yeah, this doesn't work. <laughs> we can't actually put this in the game. Because the console's not advanced Isn't... enough, and Halo 2's development like, was a nightmare to be fair. But it's, it's funny Wasn't that this is like, about CG Project Red's development of like Cyberpunk being like really bad as well, like treating staff yeah. really poorly. Yeah, I do recall that as well. I think it's like... a lot. Yeah, of well, Rockstar were doing that as well, weren't they? Yeah, like we mentioned yeah. that at the end of the last episode about crunch time and stuff, and like how many, you know, the human cost of Red Dead Redemption 2. But to kind of reiterate Ryan's point about kind of. You know, CD Projekt Red kind of not so much betraying the fans, but kind of betraying the image they built for themselves. I, I distinctly remember them saying that we, we we don't believe in crunch time. It's something we are never going to do. And then it came out that I they think, were doing crunch there's a, time. There's, there's, I think you nailed it. You nailed it, Ryan. I think when you were talking about the, the insidious like deception of the fans, I think they just lost. I think for me again, they just they, they as a company, integrity wise, they lost. I lost a lot of respect for them because. They they clearly they clearly put pushed the game out when it wasn't ready to be launched and the reason for that was because they wanted the game to be launched market commitments pressure from shareholders and a quick book and you know, it's funny that the the reflections that you guys have had on this is you know going back to the kind of like working practices or other things for me like this whole like kind of corp corpo and profit led profit led approach to to making games with things like microtransactions and monetizations and re releases. It just makes me think of horse armor from Oblivion. <laughs> it all it always goes back. It all, it all, it all started with it all, it all started with fun. horse armor. <laughs> on on us as gamers, a little bit. I think we are partly responsible for letting developers and publishers get away with this kind of stuff. Because yeah. when was the last time you sat on a game and went, you know, what, I'm not buying it on day one because I uh, feel the views the same and I want to uh, look at content. And I mean, I I remember uh, I used Unix when it first started. I would use it as essentially my uh, favorite preview service. I would wait for someone else to buy the game. Watch someone play it on Twitch and go boogie mess, not buying it. But we we rushed to pre-order culture being what it is and extra content and that kind of whole monopoly that thankfully is dying a little bit. Is we're kind of responsible. We all rushed out or Cyberpunk when it came out, and those initial sales are what keep the kind of thing going because it bumps up the share price. Everything looks great, and then they know we'll put up with you know a week two patch, a week twelve patch, a six months later patch, at least now um, patch later. That's the yeah, thing with exactly. it, you know, that is kind of the fundamental issue with it all, you know, but yeah, protest with your wallet, people. That's the uh, well, that's, that's the only real way this stuff will change, you know? That's it, you know, like, why, when they release the, the next-gen version of of Cyberpunk, what, that's going to be a brand-new game at retail price, presumably? <laughs> no, no, like, uh, well, at least on PlayStation. I don't know what the caper is for the Xbox, but it'll be a free, free upgrade, won't it? I think it'll be all round. Just yeah, I mean, charge for it surely. after this entire mess. Surely, like, surely it would be free. Surely they're not going to. Yeah. Well, the, the leaks are looking promising, even though th there was a big leak on 4chan about all the new features and shit that's coming in the next patch and about how it's like a soft reboot of the game. But CD Projekt Red have already kind of come out and said it was fake. So, but everything's riding on patch 1.5 for that game. I feel like it's it's going to make or break CD Projekt Red, to be fair, you know. If they don't, oh, they don't pull Cyberpunk back, that is it. 
you know? I was so hyped for like Cyberpunk when it got announced. I remember like there was a trailer, what, 2013 or something. It's like, okay, this looks cool. I like the sound. And then at E3, 20, I mean, the last proper E3, sadly. And it was like PlayStation weren't there. If Cyberpunk didn't confirm, they like put it on Twitter, like beep, that was it. And it was like, okay, something's happening. And then Xbox didn't announce it. And then it was like, oh, okay, thank you. And good. And everything went crazy. And all the screen turned off. It's like, oh, crap, this is it. And then the trail, I was absolutely hyped. It's like cyberpunk sort of like, you know, theming. I absolutely love the music, the clothing, the style, the architecture, just the general themes it presents. It is absolutely brilliant. And then as time went on, I just got less hyped. And I don't Mm -hmm. know why, but by the time the game came out, I just didn't, I was going to get it. But I was gonna get later on, but luckily is like in like a weird uh, turn of fate thing. I was just like never got it, so I didn't contribute to that. <laughs> but well, that's the thing, you know. Yet. And I think I think a big that's kind of a good point to close on. To be fair, you know, it's um it's very much a point of like you know overhyping a game to the point where you've got a kind of release window where it needs to come out, and if it goes past that, and you keep putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. People just don't care anymore. Do you know what I mean? We'll it's... cut in for a second. Shigeru Miyamoto's famous quote, if he said it or not, the um, uh, like a, a, a bad release game will always have a bad reputation. A delayed game will have a bad reputation, but will eventually be good. That's it. Something like that. Is that. You can delay a game as much, or what, as much as you want, but if you know the end product is good, then brilliant. If Cyberpunk came out and it was brilliant, no problems. No, that's it. But it's always going to have See? that tarnished reputation. It goes back to what we're talking about, and it? it's companies pushing out like shareholder shareholder pressure, pushing out games when they're not ready, they're sacrificing quality for a for a quick book. And I think fundamentally what we've kind of landed on is the way we shift that culture is by like you said carl t- protesting with our wallets and not See, not i've not i can't remember the last time i pre-ordered a game to be honest like, i mean me caleb and ryan are in a very very gratuitous kind of position to be able to get like a lot of games kind of for fuck all through the website you know we yeah, get the review yeah, codes for them and get them that way but yeah it is a very good point you know protest with your wallet you know that's the only way these companies if you the only way these companies are going to learn is if you cut into their bottom line you know and, you know, and for, but, um, anyone, for anyone that didn't get the Oblivion reference for Horse Armor, Horse Armor was like one of the first like paid DLC contents you could get on a game, and it's just it's yeah. crap. It's just a filter for like so ten minimal. quid. It was the catalyst of microtransactions, wasn't it? That was, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that was ground zero for it all, man. You know, but um, Patient, yeah, literally. You know, but uh, I think that's a good point to close on. Um, how many? How many of these are we on about doing a month? We still haven't decided. Have we? We're on about doing a monthly or bi-weekly. But I think I think right. a couple. If we could get into a rhythm, I think I'm doing a couple. Weeks. Yeah, definitely, definitely. We could definitely do yeah. them bi-weekly. You know, I think we're yeah, that's it. You know, but I think we're set up on all of the major platforms now. You know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Um, yeah, a few other ones that I've never actually heard of before, but you know, and could do their best. Um, yeah, I'll <laughs> see you later, guys. Sweet. We'll see you next time.